Hello all, welcome once again to the Kindred Spirits Enneagram podcast. I am Chris Hayden, one of the hosts. Uh, This week we have Billy Swift, who is one of the coaches at the gym that Courtney and I both go to. And I gotta say, this was my first time meeting him, and he is a lovely, sweet guy. I really enjoyed getting to know him, and I think you will too. As always, please like, comment, share, subscribe, check us out on Instagram and Facebook. Check out our live show every Sunday night at 6 p.m. on YouTube. You can search Kindred UMC and you'll find us. And uh, with no further ado, away we go. Okay, here we are. We're allowed to talk now. With Billy Swift, I've been uh, silencing everyone. As usual. uh, As is my inclination. Silenced by the man yet again. Yeah, I am the Gestapo. Yes. And uh, now we can finally be honest. Here we are with Billy Swift. Hello. Billy Swift, yes. welcome. Thank you. We Thank are you. so glad to have you. I appreciate this it. This is a very interesting cocktail that you've given us. It's a, it's a delicious cocktail. I'm it, pleasantly surprised how yeah, good it is. Surprisingly a good cocktail. I, I forgot how much I liked it, honestly. I really, I was really not looking forward to it. <laughs> and now it's like... He oh. literally texted me this morning and was like, is this a real drink? <laughs> or is it made up? I was questioning its existence beforehand as well. Like when I first got introduced to it, I just said, those two things do not mix. Ultra light, ultra dark. It's champagne and Guinness, for those of you that have not yet watched the video. Very charming and there hilarious. There is a bit of information in that video that will blow your mind, <laughs> I swear to you. I definitely didn't cut it off before it was done. Yeah. That's, oh, yeah. That, that you'll see from the edits that that definitely didn't happen. Um, thank you, Billy, for joining us. Thank you, sir. For I have been uh, excited about this podcast for a long time. Yeah, I've been pushing very it off for a Billy's very here. long time. I'm just you've a, been pushing a, it off. I'm a professional procrastinator. By yeah, choice. that fits into your to no. your type. Yeah. Oh, does it? It does. Oh, I can't alert. wait to find out it about does. myself. It does. Spoiler alert. I like it. Um. So before we get into type, Kim, why don't we talk a little bit about how. You came to be here. Yeah, who's Billy? Oh, who the, who the, who's Billy? Well, who the heck is Billy? It started 23 years <laughs> ago. No, um, uh, I actually met Courtney. It was a over- humid, dark night. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there was a full moon. Had to be a full moon. And there was no firewood anywhere no. to be found. <laughs> Except for right over the fence outside of my reach. Oh, man, that's an inside. And, yes. <laughs> <laughs> we shouldn't have too many inside. Um, but no, I met Courtney at uh, UFC gym in Winter Springs. Um, I used to train. I was a which uh, I now go to. Do you? I yes, do. He signed really? up at Open House. Are you nice. a coach? Or yes, you're a coach. Right? I'm a yeah. I'm an instructor. I just teach the classes. Okay. Um, I when do, do you do it? Mondays at five thirty and six forty-five, and then I'm there on Wednesdays every once in a while if I have a personal oh. training session. I always Your go evenings. to I always yeah. go to his five thirty class. Yeah. I cannot bring myself to work out in the evening anymore. Why is that? So, so I used to do it all the time back when I was much younger and much thinner, and I was doing MMA mm-hmm. stuff. Like I would go; it was very easy to finish work and then go to the gym. Yeah. Uh, now that I'm in this role, not only with COVID, but also because literally we sold our office and building and all. Mm-hmm. So like, even if we weren't in COVID, I would still be working from home. Yeah. There is something quite impossible 
in my psyche about leaving home at 5 p.m. to go mm. work out. No, there's there is something to that for sure. But I, I can told leave them our work whole crew to go work works out. out at night because you got yeah. me, Matt, Delisa, well, like, Nicole, David, yeah. they Dion. They have like normal jobs and normal stuff going well, on. I, I, yeah, with that kind of stuff to like in if especially if you're at home. It's like the day's done at five. Mm-hmm. You know, if, yeah. you're, if you're getting off of work, it's like finally I get to sit. I, back. Also, I like to cook. Yeah, like, I, I cook dinner pretty much. So that every would be night. hard too. Mm-hmm. So every like as, like at the end of the work day, like as soon as I get, and I, it's not always at five. Like I usually finish early because mm-hmm. it. I find at least my brain chemistry. I work very efficiently from home. Okay, because there's no distractions yeah. there's no nobody comes and asks me anything nobody's like popping in like and especially in church work as a mm-hmm. pastor there's a lot of people, people who pop in who are like hello. hey affirm me yeah <laughs> i need you to affirm me right now like oh hey okay Norm. that's exactly what i wanted to do with my time is <laughs> as you hold your talk about sandwich, why isn't the like, carpet yeah. red and, it, and it's important i don't mean to disparage it it is an, an important aspect of the pastoral role of, of like maintaining important relationships but particularly in this setting mm-hmm. i can i can i'm done by 3 p.m every single day i just rock it through stuff yeah because all it's just me here mm-hmm. like just me and my computer i can and then like texts and texts are the most efficient way of communicating so i can just i disagree wholeheartedly <laughs> when it comes strongly to strongly like, disagree when it comes to task oriented things nope still disagree i oh, think really? that um for the most part if it's something simple if it's something short and sweet and that's like a walkie-talkie type setting then that's different but i have always complained and i will forever be an old person in the sense that i absolutely hate texting yep because really? you can't convey intention through text message you like you, you could possibly do like the italic letters to imply sarcasm, but that's just. Uh, I you know. find that on rare occasion I need to call somebody. I love calling talking to is people. so mm. much more efficient. See, I don't think it's, it's fine efficient. if I'm catching up. Like yeah. I don't te- like I call my dad. Mm-hmm. You know, like we talk on the phone because yeah. he lives in another state. But like, like Courtney and I. Text almost exclusively our main communication is either in person or texting. Yeah. And it, yeah. it works really well, I, I think, it, for I, the most part. I find it hard for me to continue a conversation or a relationship with someone if I'm only texting them. If I can right. talk to them on the phone, then oh, I can, yeah. like, I can't. It has I, to be undergirded by, like, either in, like, like, Courtney and I spend a lot of time, like, literally, you're listening to. A normal, yeah, the, like Courtney everyday a, interaction. A lot of time in person, mm-hmm. even in the midst of the pandemic. Yeah, like we still have a lot of one-on-one time, and that, I think that might be what allows us to do the texty stuff. Yeah, like and so so usually the 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 work related stuff is like, hey, did you get that email? Did you see that thing? If it have is only work specific related, I'm fine with texting. Yeah. But if you have like a question that I have to like then talk through, I don't want to send you a three paragraph text message to explain myself. So how did you feel about Stanley's interaction on yeah, Sunday? Yeah, no. <laughs> we can talk about that all day, yeah. but don't don't fucking text me. Well, we, and we, we end up doing a lot of that in person. Yeah. And then as long as you have that base, yeah. then the texting is usually just fluid. But if you don't have like a strong base of like actual interaction, for me at least, 
I like I I, I hear that. There, I, I agree with that. There was a portion sure. of time where I got out of high school and I was living here and I didn't talk to any of my friends. I never texted them or anything. I just recently, within probably like the last six to eight months, have been calling my friends more. And now we have a great relationship. They're coming over more and it's it's a little different, but throughout the texting like me I, there's so many stories of me getting in trouble texting my girlfriend and she'd be like what does that mean i'd be like i was joking i was just messing with you it was, and then that, it's like ah i'm sorry. sarcastic yeah exactly <laughs> like, didn't of mean course like i don't think that. you can only <laughs> invest in so many like people you can only have so many like deep relationships with people yeah. if one of the criteria 60, for 60 12 one yeah if one of the That's criteria the, for those relationships is you have to text me all the time, every day. No, yeah. that's not going to work yeah. for me. Mm -hmm. You can you can know broadly about sixty people, and you can be close with about twelve people, and then and most people can only really maintain like one partner. Mm. Right. Yeah. You know, so sixty twelve one. That's. I mean, you know, certainly there are exceptions. Yeah. To, you know, you can anyway. Ebb and flow in that, but like broadly speaking, I would agree that's with about that. What it's I mean, at. that's probably. I would say that that's probably the most that you're able to like. Um, accurately maintain mentally like yeah. really understand most people yeah and most yeah. of those broader relationships are relationships that you see frequently and talk to frequently I yeah it's think. like your 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 either your work community or right. like your broader like uh, your acquaintances right you know their names you kind of know some stuff about them but they don't know like where you're Bodies are buried, so to speak. <laughs> sure. You know? Like, where's the fa where's the family cemetery at? Yeah, right. Sorry. So we got a we got a little <clears throat> off track of who is Billy. No, this is exactly who I am. I am random conversations that go on <laughs> for a while because I I like this. For those who can't see, which is everybody except for us in the room, Billy is bearded. Um, that should be noted. Yes. It's a very it's a, it's a full masculine beard. There's not an ounce of gray in it. It's a young beard. You have to look closely to find the gray. It's in there, I promise. It'll yeah. come, it'll come. I've had a beard since I graduated high school. I used to um, wrestle in high school, and uh, you would always have to shave, and I was the Oh, kind of, really? Yeah, you always- Is that have, a weight-cutting thing? Yeah, no, it's a, um, a it's so stupid. But They'll grab it? No, rug burn. <laughs> if, you, if you're on top of somebody, oh, you right. can rub in your beard. But the thing is, I'm not right. Because that's not a thing. Well, if you guy... see someone rubbing their face on someone's back, <laughs> they don't know what they're doing. You know what I mean? So there was a guy, when I was doing MMA, he was a wrestler. Mm -hmm. And, and I'm, I've always been a weakling. Like, I'm, I'm just, <laughs> like, wrestlers are, like, yeah. fucking strong. Like, yeah. they, they've got, like, monkey grip, you know? There's yeah, something about it. When they get a hold of you, you just can't. Like, I'm a wiry guy. I can mm. get out of most of that stuff. You can tell when someone grabs you different. Yeah, when they're yeah. a and they're like, oh, this guy wrestled in high school. <laughs> like, <laughs> and they, but, here, but most of them were always new, so they didn't know submissions. Mm -hmm. They knew how to win a wrestling match, but yeah. they had to stay on top and maintain position. Yep. But they didn't know how to do so. And so, like, the, their move, like, anyway, this one guy who was a wrestler, his move was he would get on top because he was stronger than me, and there was mm -hmm. nothing I could do to stop him. And he would dig his like his head oh, into yeah. my chin yeah. and he would use my own beard against me mm -hmm. yeah and it wouldn't it's not enough to, it's like it's not enough to stop you it just makes you miserable pulls your attention to yeah, it for sure yeah it's like ah uh, yeah this isn't going to do anything Can, we're like we're just sparring Can yeah. you oh, <laughs> like, yeah but that see that's like the mentality that is transferred jujitsu and wrestling have two different kind of mentalities when i'm oh yeah wrestling like i was taught to just be mean just like mm -hmm. chop the tree literally just when yeah it just you have to wear them down by being gritty and just be because i wasn't like i started, I would say brazilian jiu-jitsu definitely has that 
Uh, you, Except there's not a point system for it. There is. There it, is a it's level. Make them quit. Yeah. There. Right. I think that. I think that within a gym, there's like this camaraderie that goes on to where it's like you can roll, and you can be nice. You. You. All right. We're drilling here, and this yeah. is this. And when we go live, you can be working something or whatever. There's understanding. In a wrestling room, there. At least in my experience, there is no understanding. It's right. right now while we go live, you're my opponent. And if I can, I'm going to push your face into the mat and hold you there. And right. it's just like, it, it's a weird area to tap into. Well, there's a lot more get rules out of. in like Greco-Roman. A lot, oh, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of what you can't. Yeah, yeah. And so, so anything you can do is permitted. Mm -hmm. uh, I think there's something about Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu that almost everything is permitted. Yeah. And therefore, there's a, like a, when we're sparring, it's a restraint. Now, mm -hmm. like... The Gracies, when they were developing, they would literally go to the beach in California and just pick fights. And they yeah. would just fight guys. There was even a stra uh, strategic um, way of them choosing the Gracie brother to represent them in yeah. the UFC. They like they never they, chose the best. Yeah, no, they never chose the like, biggest. Hoist wasn't like, the like, yeah. Like, he wasn't the the main guy. They yeah. were just like let's let's put in somebody that doesn't look that menacing to mm -hmm. where when he does go out there and strangle your guys. Then when you he, have to when be he like, chokes ah. out Ken Shamrock, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I remember, I remember it. Uh, I used, to, I never watched. Um, so yeah, so going back to where I came from, right? I, I grew up in Oregon when I was a really young kid um, with my mom. Uh, I, my, I really you seem like an Oregon guy. Yeah, right. You're like, right. I, I, I didn't know that about you, but I could totally see that. And the thing is, is I don't really have like much. You got like to a Oregon. hip flannel on. I was like, thinking about this recently. Of like my, I don't know how it happened, but I have like a California type style. Like I don't yeah. skateboard, but I right. like, I look yeah, like you I look skateboard. Like, you look like a skateboard. And yeah. so I. It's uh, the like, like inner west coast yeah 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 right it's like, not like you're not like a surfer guy yeah but like the i go inner, snowboarding the inner west right I go snowboarding yeah, like, like, De like yeah. denver you look yeah, like yeah, denver right. i love that I like denver's denver. the best yeah, place yeah. i've ever been besides europe so really yeah. i've been to denver and i liked it a lot um i think boston i like boston so much more i hmm. love boston 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 um but yeah so i uh grew up i was introduced to mma through my father um when i was like nine nine years so I mean, I could go deep into this story to really explain some stuff if you want. So Tell me I, <laughs> I, uh, I d lived with my mom in Oregon until the age of nine. And I didn't have any real memories of my father before that. Like, I did live with him in my earlier life, but I ended up moving to Oregon with my mom. Didn't have contact with him until eight years old. And uh, the man shows up at my house, knocks on the door and says, hey, my mom's name is Jamie Whitaker. Hey is uh, Jamie Whitaker here. And I see him, I know he's my dad, but I don't say anything. So I end up meeting my dad through this whole period of like him just literally popping into my life. The first night that I stayed with my father, we are in the hotel room watching MMA, UFC, the first one I ever watched. <laughs> That's was, so cool. Um, I can't that, remember. This is, how, this is how superheroes are created. Right, yeah, yeah right, yeah, like, <laughs> this is my origin story. Yeah. Yeah, so that, and I, at the time I didn't really have an interest in it, my father wasn't, even into it yet. He he's actually the one that got me into MMA. He uh, started when I was in third, late third grade. He is when he he started, and when I met him then, it was like a probably a year or two before that. Um, but so he got me into it. I started training with him. Um, we had a really small gym in my hometown. 
um, with you know some great guys, like young guys that are like tw- they were at the time they were 23, 22, mm-hmm. and they were teaching. They were going to a gym in Tampa and a gym in Crystal River, and they were coming back and pretty what much. What was the What was the gym in Tampa? Do you know? Um, so the gym in Tampa that was their jujitsu gym, and it was under Fabio Navai, um, oh, okay. Brazilian right. jujitsu guy. Yeah, yeah. Yes, and then. Um, they went to Stefan Butenbeck's uh, gym in Crystal River. Um, that guy is an amazing Muay Thai yeah, technician, just yeah. unbelievable. And they would take the information that they would get from both of them. They'd bring it back to this really I, I small knit. Yeah, oh, it I is, wish it was more like. It, it, unfortunately, it's jujitsu is where it's at. Mm-hmm. Well, see, I think that Muay Thai is should be way more prominent in the United States oh, than I it love is. Muay thai. You watch one FC. I started with uh, Taekwondo. Really? That's why I love Muay Thai. Yeah, ta- Taekwondo. And I'm also like I'm a long, I'm a tall guy with very like the reason I'm tall is because my legs are long. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So like, it, that's literally the main weapon of Taekwondo. And that, yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Um, uh, yeah, so my dad got me into MMA and all of this stuff and that small knit group. And um, I remember where I grew up, like I, I was in this gym and there were a couple of wrestlers in there. And the two wrestlers that I knew and that I was hanging out with went both to this high school, Springstead. And uh, Springstead at the time was just a badass wrestling school. Um, at one point, they were like 16th in the nation. Um, and it's really hard to get on those lists and especially to get up high because you got private high schools that are able oh, to yeah. recruit and all that. It was like that thing. with debate too. Yeah. Not at all the same any, thing, but no, I mean, the comparable. private schools any, and stuff. Yeah, yeah, any extracurricular that can draw attention to the school. Exactly. Like I, I it, it certainly wasn't on the national level, but my, my school was theater. It was mm-hmm. a public school yeah. that had a really great theater program. And that was, they leaned a lot into it. Yeah. You know, and it's the same, like, so if you can do it with wrestling, if you find a coach who can build a program like that, yeah. like pour those pour rem- resources into it. I remember there was a, there's a school, um, I mean, Brandon High School, like they were known yeah. for being, they didn't lose for like over 20 years. They won national, or state tournaments in Florida for over 20 years, didn't lose a team. Like as a team, they won. It was crazy. Yeah. Um, but they would miraculously somehow, as a public school, be rated very high in the nation. They would, um, they would have kids move in from Ohio. They would have right. kids move in from California, and it just so happened that they were amazing wrestlers. And it just so happened that they ended over here at Brandon. It right. wasn't like yeah. any. Well, so yeah, looking for the best in the world yeah. that they can get their hands on. Exactly. So yeah. our school was more of like, um, like the way that I would look at it is like I explained before, just mean kids, just kids that were like, <laughs> it, like it was like the begin. The, the, it's all folklore. Folk, lore but the beginning of us like our climb as a wrestling team goes back to this one coach Leviah who literally walked into the ISS room saw these athletic kids sitting in there getting in trouble and he's like do you want to get out of here okay you're going to come over to wrestling practice yeah. every day after school. ISS is in school suspension yeah mm-hmm. don't know. yeah so um he would uh, not that like, I've ever spent any time in in school suspension <laughs> lunch attention a couple times but that was only 30 minutes so I was good there but yeah, so like um, our school was a little different, but I knew that in order to be a good MMA fighter, you had to have a good base in wrestling. All of the champions at the time were wrestlers. Look, look, so, at, look at how that's played out right now. Right? Yeah, I mean, Khabib is like the number look, one. Look at who's winning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah. every Usman. It's, and it's a lot of these Russian wrestlers too. Yeah. Like they all have this background in, in not just grappling, but wrestling. Yeah, and it's all, like combat. Just like because powering somebody to the ground. They, there's... Um, MMA is growing so much and that it's um, becoming its own thing. Like mixed martial arts, MMA 
is ex at first started off as that a mix of all your martial arts. You would take your Taekwondo, you would take your wrestling. You, yeah, you'd have a wrestling guy. Exactly. A Taekwondo guy. But now you're <laughs> learning different techniques that are based off of positioning only found in MMA. Like you're only finding things that well, and they're MMA and they're also like results of like serious evolution of combination of all those things, mm -hmm. like them all intertwining together right. and molding and finding everything's what works. mixing. Yeah, and and like and the thing I've always loved about MMA, like so I I, rem I have this memory of like taking a or of hosting a self-defense class for women mm -hmm. as a as we were a new church start yeah. we we're just looking for any event that could help people of course and there was something some like something that had happened in the local community that was criminally related i can't gotcha. remember what it was and so we offered self-defense and i remember the guy that came, and i remember watching it and being like none of these things will work yeah none of these things will work yeah. where they talk about like here, grab my wrist. Mm -hmm. See, you're just gonna break the grip. Yeah. Break the, and it's like, if I grabbed any one of the women in this room, well, it's also like, there's nothing they could do to like. It's also like, grab my hand this way. Right. Do it this yeah. way. Yeah. There's and, a really funny comedy bit in, um, in Living Color with Jim Carrey where he's like, all right, ladies, I'm gonna show you self-defense. And then he's like, he's like, now she's gonna lunge at me with this knife and she stabs him. Yeah. He's like, good thing I shifted my internal organs to miss the blade. And it's just this amazing thing to show like what doesn't work, but he, he keeps playing with it. But yeah, no, that's- MMA is like the exact opposite of that. Yeah, MMA only cares, even remotely, only cares about what works. Yeah, what works. And I love it, that. Because you can even get like... Um, and then you get like, now you have female champions. Oh yeah. Because they definitely. only care about what works. Mm -hmm. They're not cared about, they're not caring about like... Sounds not, like your counter type one coming out. Well, there's something about the like, so I love Taekwondo, but there was something about Taekwondo that was concerned a lot with form mm -hmm. over function. Yeah. And I was like, this is not, Yeah. I don't care how many boards you can break. Or like, I, I if don't you can care. remember how many moves to do, like here's yeah, a I, seed form, here's yeah, this Yeah, and this form. idea that this form is representing, oh, this is how you defend against this. It's yeah. like, and even in the rules in Taekwondo, sparring, like you can't kick to the face. Yeah. And you can't punch to the head. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, but, then what? I'm pretty sure if somebody attacks me, they're gonna kick me in the face and punch me in the head. No, I, so <laughs> whenever I get into a fight, I say, what rule base are we fighting off of? Can yeah. you tell me what rule base it is? Are we doing just strictly boxing? Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. Like, yeah, and that's, again, that's why I like jujitsu and I like Muay Thai. Yeah. Because they're about as close as you can get to what works. Yeah, pretty much. And what no, works. And there is no, like, um, there's no turning your nose up to any techniques. Right. If it, if it is effective. Like if you can win a fight by kicking a guy in the, uh, like, in the femur yeah. for, like, 12 rounds. <laughs> yeah, right. If you can win the fight that way, then you win. But there is what, um, so I was actually just talking to a man about um, MMA um, at a bar. He was the bartender, and we were talking about it. And I didn't reveal that I had any knowledge. I just asked him, I was like, hey, do you watch the fights? Um, and he says that he watched, he used to watch boxing and he would follow boxing and he went to all these great fights of boxing, but he just can't find, um, the honor in MMA. And it, like, I, at that, <laughs> I, I don't get angry because I understand it, dude, it is barbaric. I don't get angry, I'm, like, but you, I'm like, what are you talking about? Yeah, it doesn't make sense to me other than I literally have to tell myself over and over again, 
people get elbowed in the face and continue to fight. Like you will get sliced open from an elbow to the face and you will continue to go on. There is something about that that is to the out. So to someone looking in on that, it's something that is just uh, gruesome. But if you're inside of it, yeah. you're literally looking at a man fighting. If you've been, for his ble- life. If you've been bleeding mm-hmm. from your face mm-hmm. in a fight mm-hmm. or in a sparring match or whatever, like, like I've come home and found injuries. Some, yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah. Why well, didn't fucking know that happened? Yeah, exactly. Like it's not a thing. It's not. It's not like it. Like I like I know. I understand blood can be traumatic to see yeah. for a lot of people, and there's an evolutionary thing going on there. But like. Believe me, when you're sparring, that's the least of your worries. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's yeah. it's not about the gruesomeness of it as much as it is about, oh, this is annoying. It keeps getting in this eye. Yeah. Like, I would, gosh, somebody, I mean, somebody is, fix this so I can like, there, win. There are things to where, like, if, I, if people that didn't know MMA were exposed to, they would say that yeah. MMA should be illegal. You know what I mean? There are things that yeah. have happened in fights to where they're just like, that should not have happened to somebody, you know? There's a lot of ignorance. But, and, like but this is the knowing. thing. I have to show that kind of understanding to their side of the argument to give me some kind of validation in saying that there is some kind of honor to this. Like, that isn't a possibility. But did anybody, uh, did any of you guys that love boxing... I think it's the absolute purest combat sport. I agree. Like, uh, like, I agree. Look at Muhammad Ali at the end of his like life. Like, boxing bores me now. Oh, yeah, because th- that's because of politics, and it's gotten ruined. It's just gotten yeah. ruined. But I mean, look at Muhammad Ali at the end of his life. And can you tell me that that was natural causes? No, that was 100% due to the fact that he was boxing. Boxing has shown that there is long-term damage compared to this short-term cut on the face, scar tissue buildup of MMA. That boxing is just something completely different that if you're not careful and you're not paying attention to the science and you're sparring every single day as hard as you can and you're ignoring your headaches, like you're going- Which are things that are necessary to be champion now. To an extent, to an extent. I mean, you look at MMA now, the science has come so far to where like champions get to a point to where you can, it's crazy to see a champion get up to a point. Like Max Holloway is a perfect example right now. Max Holloway was this champion for, I'm pretty sure he was the longest running champion at the 145 pound weight class. He had crazy amounts of defenses. Is that that flyweight? uh, I think it's featherweight. featherweight. I think I don't yeah. know. Look yeah, at me. I, oh, I love those. MMA, but I don't. One know of those. Right, yeah, yeah. I can't remember him either. But Max Holloway then loses to Volkanovski, loses his title, and it was a very close fight. And then he comes back and he and he fights again. Volkanovski. People say that he won. I think he won, but he lost that fight again. He comes back to now just have. Um, he just fought uh, Calvin Cater, and Calvin Cater was the number six contender. And he hits crazy hard, and he's an amazing fighter. But Max Holloway came out and a, showed... A, a featherweight or a flyweight, whichever one it is, mm-hmm. who can hit hard. Hard. He should yeah. be a 155-pounder. You know <laughs> right? what I mean? He has this shut-off power, which ended up kind... Like, that aspect of him kind of ended up doing him a little dirty. But either way, he... Max Holloway comes out and puts out this performance that is just unbelievable. It is, like... I watched that fight, rewatched it immediately, got goosebumps every time that I watched it because it was just unbelievable the amount of damage, the amount of pace, like the cardio that he had to have had to go yeah. into that fight. He was champion. He just stays at it. He was the champion for that long, loses to somebody, and then comes back and looks better than he has ever looked previously. If you were training by the old standards of MMA, that would almost be impossible. You look at champions, they go on their title run. Once they lose, they very rarely come back and look well, even better. There's, a, there's just a lot more. The, the, the coaches and the training teams, are, 
they're just so much smarter now. Yeah, they're, it's all it's all evolving at the yeah. same time. And I think that now, like fighters are having longer careers. You're looking oh, yeah. at different fighters. Like Max Holloway didn't even spar for this. Well, last even fight. even when you look at kind of older fighters who kind of come back to try again, mm -hmm. it, it's not that they're fighting poorly. It's that they're just outclassed. It's like you you're you're going by older standards. I mean, I can. You're think going of, by an older method. I can think of a couple examples of just. They shouldn't have been in. BJ Penn should not have right. been in there. Against Yair Rodriguez, you threw him to the there dogs. Was, who was just recently? Uh, Chuck Liddell, has, he fought Tito Ortiz. Yeah. And leading up to that fight, this is the problem leading up to that fight. I, I, this has turned into an MMA That's podcast. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> I know, we've, we've literally just talked about MMA. All right, so very quickly, but Chuck Liddell po was posting videos on Instagram about it and showing him training. And you're watching these videos, and they're from odd angles That's around the bag, the and you're just like, anymore. "That looks a little weird." And we're making excuses, like right. you're like, "Oh, maybe he just got done training, and he's hitting the bag after. Maybe he's yeah, tired." Then he goes right. into the fight, and you see exactly what that was, which was old man that didn't have it anymore, and ended up getting beat up by Tito Ortiz. But just it was a gruesome and Tito knockout. Ortiz is, isn't like a spring chicken either. No, he's like he's been around too, for yeah. years and years and years. Yeah. One of the, he was one of the original guys. He was yeah. the ground and pound king or whatever yeah. they called him. But, um, you know, they're, they're, and then you look at GSP. GSP is the opposite. GSP was the new, he was the beginning of the new MMA yeah. where he was able to train. He was training with the Olympic teams. He was getting into well, this. Well, he, he was really a full-fledged mixed martial artist. Mm -hmm. Like he, he was like, I don't want to be able, I don't want it to be possible to lose in any of the like venues, like yeah. on the ground, on the feet, and he wasn't, in the clinch. And he like, wasn't attached to any one style or any yeah. one way of being. Like he, you saw him lose and then you saw him come back with a new game like, okay, plan. I gotta then, work on that. And then right? just win. <laughs> yeah. And then you look at Chuck Liddell. Chuck Liddell has this weird fighting style where his right hand's at his hip and his left hand is like a foot away from his he's face. A, he's a clobberer. And yeah, and he yeah. would just, he would throw a lead hook and then he would try and land that uppercut. Right. And he would get knocked, he got knocked out by Rampage, or not Rampage, well, uh, Rashad got, Evans. Yeah. And then he doesn't change his style when you got yeah when you got like the one pattern yeah like you're asking for it exactly you like especially with this new breed mm -hmm. like they just watch the tapes and they yeah. have some team who's like okay this is this is almost exclusively what he does yeah so this is what counters that jonah's eating a bunch we're, of food off a plate we're just gonna drill that oh the dog's eating the food all right that's probably a good transition we should probably we talk about the enneagram i like it i like it i like all it all right so he stopped. He heard me ride him out and he stopped. He's um, going back he's for going more. He's going back. He's going back for more. It's so hey. good. It's so good. It's, uh, I'm only worried because it's chicken bones. All right. Let's talk about Enneagram. What'd you get? I can't remember, honestly. Do you know anything about the Enneagram? I, um, not by name. Okay. I might buy, like, so we're gonna, we're gonna explain it step by step, which means I'm gonna do a lot of talking. Go ahead. Um, and then just kind of listen for things that you resonate with, that you balk at, that you're like, what okay. the fuck does this mean? Mm -hmm. Like, whatever. So Enneagram is not a personality test, it is a motivation test. Okay. So instead of what you do, it's about why you do what you do. Okay. So for example, I'm a type two which means I'm the helper and I am motivated by a need to be wanted and needed. If I don't mm. feel needed, I feel rejected. Okay. The reason that matters is because when I'm in a situation where I feel anxious or upset or stressed out, I can now step outside of that situation and ask myself, what is it about this situation that makes me feel rejected right now? 
And if I can address that, then I can more firmly communicate to you mm -hmm. what it is that I actually need. Okay. So we're going to start with just your core type, just basics. Perfect. Um, so Billy's test results were a seven wing eight self-prez variant. Would you, would you like any more? I would love some more, yes sir. So um, Enneagram is rooted around, as I talked about, core desire, core fear. So the core desire of a type seven is to be content and satisfied. Um, so they're big adventurers. They're always jumping from one thing to the next. Uh, FOMO is a big thing for type mm -hmm. sevens because their core fear is of being deprived or trapped in emotional pain, um, not getting the most out of life, missing out on the best opportunity. like not not seizing every moment mm -hmm. that's like a fomo is a very real thing for type sevens um so they're very they typically are very extroverted you do have some exceptions to that rule there are some introverted sevens but they're very extroverted they're very fun loving they're very adventurous um they're risk takers they're very assertive types um they also are very big procrastinators mm -hmm. because there's, they get trapped in this, well, what if this isn't the best decision? What if this isn't the most fun thing I could be doing right now? What if I'm missing out on something that's better? So oftentimes you hear a lot of sevens talk about the idea of moving to this place or this place or this place, but then never actually moving because they don't want to miss out on mm -hmm. another area somewhere else. Um, so personality traits of a type seven might be positive, adventurous, imaginative, enthusiastic, quick thinking, spontaneous, and confident. Mm -hmm. Flip side of that can also be unfocused, self-absorbed, superficial, restless, impulsive, rebellious, and escapist. Got all of those things, that's great. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, so which of those things do you, do you identify with or not identify with, or so, I always like to say balk at? Um, the FOMO part, I don't really experience that. Um, hmm. I'm more like, on my own type deal. You seem like a pretty settled guy. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not like, I. where I am is where I am, what I'm doing is what I'm doing, and whatever's next will happen. So like, it doesn't really matter to me. Um, you ever I'm, watch Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid? Mm -mm. No, no, I have not. Well, um, if it's a anybody movie. out there who's seen it, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. uh, you, just, you just seem very kind of like quiet and settled. Not necessarily quiet even. Yeah, just quiet's like nothing not to a word I would use to describe you, but. Like nothing to prove. Yeah, I know. I mean, I like uh, I have a lot to prove inside of me. You think so? You, yeah. Oh yeah, I have Ooh, like theater probably. Yeah. Anytime I'm in a room, I there's a part of me that's going like, how can I become the hero of the yeah, story? Yeah, you right. know, like um, I have that portion of it, but more of it as an entertainer more than being accepted. Like I just want people to. My main thing is making people laugh. I mm -hmm. need to make people laugh. If I can't make you laugh. I promise you I will. Like, I will find a way to make you laugh, whether it's like Chris Farley style, or throwing myself through a table, I don't care. Yeah. I haven't had to do that in years. I haven't had to pull that one out the high <laughs> that, but, um, but no, like, I- Like, now it's more like political satire these yeah, days. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sipping my whiskey. And, no, I, I, uh, I just, I don't find FOMO, but I do want to be kind of like, uh, I do want to be looked at, if that makes any sense. Like, I do yeah. want attention to be paid towards me, but not for a selfish reason more of like an enjoyment kind of reason, if that makes any that's sense. That's definitely mm -hmm. another aspect of seven. I mean, I think that's why entertainment is a big thing for mm -hmm. type sevens, is keeping the group entertained. Maybe you plan like the Adventures for You group. You kind of rally people together. You're mm -hmm. good at entertaining and bringing people in and uh, all that. And 
Um, I'm not trying to like toot my own horn in any way. That's another thing. I try and stay as humble as possible. I really don't like being braggadocious, but I do. How good are you at being humble? Pretty good. <laughs> I like that. Um, no, I think uh, I I have this thing inside of me that always um, empathizes with someone that doesn't fit in, that doesn't mm-hmm. really get along with anybody, and I will make it a point to make that person feel comfortable around me. Like I want them yeah. to, and that's my whole spirit fingers. Thing. I identify with that too. That's you know? that's very much a so big I, thing. I think there's something, I, you know, I I'd have to go back and. Uh, which I'm not going to do, <laughs> listen to every single podcast we've done. Um, but I, I, I feel like I'm picking up on a pattern. So I, I'm a number four. I'm a type four. My big thing is being seen for who I am. Mm-hmm. Like, and permission to be myself. Okay. Like that's, and if, if I'm not getting permission to be myself, then I will assert myself. Mm-hmm. Like, and vice versa. If someone else is not permitted to be who they are, I I will stop the entire train. Yeah. To be like, um, this person's allowed to be who they are. Yeah. Like, I, like, because that's what's important to me, and mm-hmm. I will defend other people in that specific. I'll be very sensitive to that in other people. Now, here's the thing that's funny about that is, other people. I have to be careful about it because there's a lot of people who would be like, I didn't need you to stop the train. Yeah. Like, that's not, like, what's important to you isn't important to mm-hmm. me. Um, and I, so I've had to be aware of that yeah. as I've, you know, learned how to live and be I, an adult. And know. I totally agree with that. There's that, there are things, you can always learn anything from situations and if something happens poorly, you should definitely learn from it. And I think that that's happened to me where you kind of put someone at the forefront of everything and they're like, I did not want to be here. I want to be right. in the back. I want to be watching. I'm enjoying just watching whatever's going on or do like, I like if someone's not talking in a situation, I will ask, I will directly ask them a question and I will continue to try and have that conversation with that person in a group setting to make them feel like they're being, at least I try to be, but uh, to make them feel included into the group. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes people don't want that and they'll give you a short answer. Yeah. And then you can't like, I have to find where my pride is of like. Yeah, you're no, meeting your need. Exactly. In, that you and they, perceive and the, in them. So I think that's exactly what you're talking about. Where yeah. It's like, I feel this for you, so I'm going to act as if that's true. And yeah. most of the time, Don't you want to be in this way? Mm-hmm. Don't you want to like, be a type seven? Don't no, you I'm doing be a type great. Seven just like me? You yeah, know? like I'm doing. No, I'm doing great over yeah, here. Yeah. Like, yeah, I've had, I've had those experiences too. Yeah, I will say you're very good at. I know you don't like to be braggadocious, but I'm going to talk about my own mm-hmm. story with you. You're very oh, good. Oh, by the way, at, I'll pay you after this whole thing. Oh, perfect, this. perfect, you. perfect. Yeah, thank yeah. you. Uh, $50. No, uh, but your class was the first class I ever took at UFC, mm-hmm. and you were just very attentive, and you're very good about going around the room and making sure everybody kind of has a feel for what they're doing. As I've had like other friends come, like I love all the coaches. I get along with all of them, but I've definitely noticed that you're the most attentive Mm -hmm. to new people and making sure they understand it and feel comfortable and i think that's cool that and i think that plays into that entertain entertainer persona as well because you're like 
trying to help and make connections and get to know people and make them feel comfortable. And I think you're right about that meaning and need for you as well. I appreciate that. I hope I hope that it comes across that way. Sometimes I feel like I'm being annoying. <laughs> I, I've been getting a lot more comfortable Dude, being, in the class. Dude, being so. a, like a, a cl- an exercise class instructor mm-hmm. of any kind, it sounds like a nightmare scenario to me. Because <laughs> it it's like, I don't know, am I supposed to push you? Am I supposed to ease up on you? I don't, what do you need? Do you, you need me to be like, come on, you pussy, get up! Yeah. Well, everybody or do you need me to be like, to hey man, it's okay. Yeah. Take a water break if you need to. Yeah, like, man. go, hey, go take go, a water break. There's a bed in the back. You want to take yeah. a nap? I mean, <laughs> like, you seem tired. Like, where and where do you, how do you know how to respond to whom? Oh, dude, <laughs> the, the, and the, the worst part about that is you figure that out entirely by trial. An error. Oh yeah, like, I bet. Yeah. It's just a gr- brutal, brutal beginning of just like not knowing what to say, not remembering the combination, and like right. when I well, you, yeah, you also that. have to know your lines. Yeah, yeah. y'all tell yeah. you all tell us to freestyle, and I'm like, what the fuck am I supposed to do for yeah. three minutes? I don't know shit. I don't know how you remember every single combination and come up jab, with jab, cross, lines. hook, hook, jab, cross, hook. That's hook, what I do hook. when I get told to. Fr- no, I yeah. do jab, cross, hook, elbow every yeah. time I'm told to freestyle. Yeah. Yeah. Every time. I mean, it's a, yeah, it, it was a, a long, it wasn't that long of a process. I learned pretty quickly, but um, I had a lot of good teachers around me at, at the time. When I first started at Title, I had a, the owner there was really um, good at teaching trainers and how the, how you're supposed to be, the energy level you're supposed to have, mm-hmm. what you're supposed to convey to these people, the purpose of the class, and like, there's a purpose when you tell people you're the purpose of this is to learn boxing and blah 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 but the, there's a purpose behind that of like no, you're no, just no. trying to get the some, purpose is to lose my gut yeah right like it's <laughs> it's, it's to, to keep it have amplified. a lower heart rate and lose my gut mm-hmm. that's what that's what my purpose is and that and and um I'd once like, you realize I'd like that, to fit my shirts better right, right. <laughs> uh once you once you're able to like hone that in and be able to apply both meanings teaching boxing and keeping a high pace uh, class going then you're able to really start getting into your zone um the best the best advice that i ever got was to um uh well i can't remember the wording that he used but it was pretty much like find your niche like find mm. what you what is your thing that you're going to bring down what are you going to bring to the table and that's where i came up with spirit fingers i literally came up with spirit fingers um all right, so I'll explain it real quick. Just I don't. Uh, I do this thing at the end of every class where I um, I tell everyone to give me spirit fingers up in the sky. And the reason why I do it is because it makes everybody feel weird, right? A bearded man telling you to give spirit fingers after just punching a bag for 45 minutes makes you feel a little awkward, and you're like, <laughs> why? Why are we doing this? But I'm telling you to do it, so you have to, right? And then I explain, like, this weird feeling that you're feeling isn't bad. It's just a weird feeling. And, like, you have to embrace weirdness, kind of, because you being yourself is going to be a little weird. Everybody's weird. If you're pretending you're not weird, you're the weirdest one here. Mm-hmm. We're only here for one time. So make sure you're having a good time being yourself. Keep it I'm weird, I'm not everybody. sure you're not a four. Yeah. The more I hear you talk, the more I think you might be a four. So now that... All right. So let's get... Uh, this, is, <laughs> this has been in my head this entire time. The way that you guys are speaking of this now, I know I don't know the name of it or I didn't know the real purpose of it, but um, Sydney, my girlfriend, Mm -hmm. was explaining to me and she had me do the same thing of a test type sort. I came out to be a type eight and with hers, I did find a lot of things that I was like, yo, that's me. Yo, that's me. 
That's me. So, so that's let's me. look at type eight then. Well, here, so here's what's hard. I, I'm almost certain you're not a type eight. Um, just because I have a barometer for type eights typically. Mm -hmm. um, here's, in my experience, because I encountered the Enneagram a long time ago mm -hmm. before I met Courtney. Didn't really think much of it because, well, like every type I read, I was like, this is a horoscope. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. This is a and horoscope. And if it's explained improperly, it absolutely is. And so I took tests and that said I was something. I think I, I think I, I think it said I was type four. Then I read the type four and I was like, I don't know. I agree with like half of this. Mm -hmm. um, and then I read other types and I was like, well, I, but I agree with pretty significant sections of these ones too. And um, it wasn't until I met Courtney that like, it's a rare thing. There's a lot of like fodder out there around Enneagram because it's kind of trendy right now. Mm -hmm. that's, that's part of it. There's a lot of fodder. People get really caught up in the personality type. Right. People get, they, what they want to know is the answer to a question that the Enneagram was never really designed to answer. Yeah, and the reason the test is only 50% accurate is because when you take it, you're taking it like a test, and like a personality test, and yeah. it's a motivation test. So mm -hmm. they're two different things. So the best way to get your type is to look at all of the core motivations and figure out which one resonates with like you. Which actually drives you. So I will pose that question to you. What do you think motivates you the most? <sighs> I mean, that's a... Well, right. so we've talked about seven, eight, and four. four. And so seven is the entertainer, mm -hmm. and and you know the idea. It's it's not the entertainer though. Like that, I don't. It, some of the descriptions here are really. The titles are weird. Yeah. So it's more about like being entertained. Seven mm -hmm. is seven is about like, I want to be. I, I, I want to be, be content. Fun. Yeah. I want I want it to be fun. I want to be content. Mm -hmm. I I want to like, make this people fun. laugh. I I'm wanna... out. This isn't fun. I don't want to be here. It's yeah. about joy <laughs> and contentment and living life to the fullest. Okay. Type eight is the challenger. Mm -hmm. Um. So she's used that before for sure. So. Core motivation is. Yeah, to... but your girlfriend's gonna use that. Yeah, my, my, <laughs> right. Yeah, right. You like just that. have an mo against type eights, Chris. <laughs> no. Um, I, that's the reason one of the reasons I don't think you're a type eight is because I I typically have a difficult time getting along with type eights initially. Do you think that there are different aspects of your like the like the way that I interact with certain people or the way that I interact in certain situations kind of changes based upon how I'm feeling at that moment. So like I with the challenger thing, um, it's coming to me a little bit. I like I am devil's advocate all the time. I am always yeah. going to challenge any kind of rule that you have. If I don't see a point to it, I'm not following it. And that that is like something that is. Yeah, but me too. Right. So like, there are different things that fit. Like with they're these. like line cutters. I'm oh, like, here we go get again. The fuck to the back of the line. Oh yeah, no, that's that's a well. Here's another weird position I have. I respect those people. If you can pull that off. <laughs> I, I am cool with it. Do it. If I catch you, I'm going to tell you no. 
But if you can pull it off, I respect it. Here's a perfect example. I disagree. So I, li- I listen to this podcast. <laughs> I, I, lis- um, I listen to this podcast called The Legion of Skanks, right? It's a very controversial podcast, but I absolutely love these guys. So um, they have this thing called the Wintern Olympics. And they did like a little psychology or psychology experiment, unknowingly kind of. But um, they were waiting to have all these people come in um, one at a time into their building to give them a, like a, this is why I deserve to be your intern, right? Mm -hmm. While they were waiting, they were all waiting outside. It's New York, it's cold, right? They're all waiting outside. The producer went out and said, you guys can come in one at a time and wait in our lobby or wait in this little waiting area to warm up. But it's amongst you guys, like there is no time frame. Just come in and go as you please, but you have this open for one person at a time. And then they monitored how long they stayed in that room, right? How long <laughs> each individual chose to stay in there without being, uh, like, feeling pressured to get out mm-hmm. for the other person. There was one dude in there that stayed there for, like, 25 minutes. Everybody else was in there for minutes at a time. Some people didn't even go in. This man was in there for 25 minutes. And they couldn't, they were having a conversation about which one, is it right or is it wrong? Is it admirable or is it... Uh, commend, commendable? Is that the word? No, commendable. Well, admirable or like, like I would say obnoxious. <laughs> yeah, obnoxious, disparageable. There you yeah. go. Yeah. So um, I, my girlfriend, believe that, no, that's wrong. Why are you doing that? 23 minutes or 25 minutes? You were warm after 10. Like, you should have got out of there. Blah, blah, is there blah. any, are there any mitigating circumstances? Uh, well, this is so. He's just like a normal dude. Normal he doesn't. Dude. He doesn't need more than everyone else. Uh, yeah, and everybody else is normal. Yeah, so I just, said, I said, it's con- it's condemnable. So then I would say to that, I am in a competition, like it's a competitive atmosphere. One of us is getting this spot. Not all of us. One of us. I want to be comfortable for my position. I am going to take the opportunity to get warm, to be 100% myself. So when I go in there, I'm feeling good. I'm not still warming up. I think he might be an eight, but I think he might be a social eight. That's my new theory. Hmm. All right, I'm gonna talk through this whole thing. We're gonna see if we can figure it out. So type eight, Mm -hmm. core motivation to be in control. Mm -hmm. Um, So they tend to be very private people. Mm -hmm. Um, They do challenge everything and play devil's advocate a lot. And that comes from a place of a core fear of being betrayed or left behind. Mm. Um, So they don't wanna feel betrayed. They wanna protect themselves and their energy. They are the type of people, um, they're very justice oriented. Mm -hmm. So they'll flip the table for somebody that's um, like the underdog. Um, they're constantly going to bat and looking out for people who might be left out or Mm -hmm. outside of the circle. By the same token, vulnerability is very difficult for them. Mm -hmm. Um, They're gut centers, which means that they react on instinct first rather than feelings or head, like thoughts. Mm -hmm. Um, And they also tend to be just very um, like assertive and quick-minded and they can also be very forceful they're also very independent and captivating people i agree with 98 percent of that for sure i um will always take side of the underdog or somebody that i feel is being um injustice is being done to for sure and i will voice my opinion um for the bait like the gut reaction thing i think that that is my um that is my like the deepest if i need an immediate answer gut is my immediate go to so can you what's your understanding of the difference between like gut and feeling so 
Um, feeling is because this is one. This is an ongoing discussion that I'm asking you okay. to enter into. Yo, no, I'll, I'll get <laughs> yeah. into it. Um, I, I've had a very tough life, like very tough life. Weird, weird track record of how I became who I am today. I should be like in a home or something. From what, like what I have been through, should not have produced who I am today. And I think that. I explain it a lot to people that the reason why I'm able to kind of get through the mud is more of like I'm able to um, I'm able to uh, take myself out of the situation and look at it from an objective point of view instead of allowing my feelings to take part or mm. uh, like what I'm feeling isn't always right and I should probably look into those situations like objectively if there's anything that has to do with um, something that I hold dear, I have to look at it through that lens because right. I know that I'm going to be biased. Like right. there is absolutely no way that what I'm feeling is 100% right. You have to think about it. I have to get through to it. Um, and that's something that I try and do as often as I can. I did it a lot growing up as like kind of self-therapy to deal with a lot of like trauma of just kind of explaining myself out of a situation. Like I felt... Um, so... To explain a little bit deeper, uh, we, I, we frequently use the words coping mechanisms. Yeah, yeah, like, and and I think it's that like a it's like a learned defense mechanism. Talking to myself mm -hmm. was my defense mechanism. I I had nobody growing up really. Like my mom was a meth addict, and um, I grew up in trailer parks with very little kids. When I went to school, I had a great time. I was social. I was able to get along with people. I was able to you know, play and be funny and all of this stuff. But when I'd go home, I just, I had nobody. I'd play by myself and go yep. outside and stuff. I, I identify, I didn't have, I don't think I had it nearly as like objectively rough as that. Mm -hmm. um, my, so my mom is a uh, borderline personality disorder Yeah. and yeah. undiagnosed. And so we, we ha I mean, it, she's now diagnosed yeah. and now is like but at the time. under counsel, but growing up wasn't. Yeah. Um, we lived in a much wealthier she because she was able to kind of like climb a corporate ladder mm -hmm. and like find good work that's, and a, that's the one thing that corporations do not stop and it is mental illness you can climb to the top oh, yeah. of mental illness it's, well especially if you can be a little narcissistic and a little oh, like and not give a fuck who you step on yeah. and like oh yeah um so so not, certainly not impoverished but I really identify, the whole reason I bring this up is because like the, what you just described about like the idea of going to school, for me it was school and youth group mm -hmm. and specifically in school theater Yeah, because I was a theater kid. Mm -hmm. In theater and in youth group in my church, those were the places where I was, I, like, I was a leader. Yeah. I was not, not just like did I have a good time, but I like rose in the ranks to be the like i was the male lead for all of our theater stuff and i was like the go-to guy in our in our youth group and would it was you like say, 120 kids and i was like the leader of it yeah. you know would you say that 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 aspect of your life if not only changed your life but saved your life to an extent oh absolutely 100 yeah, yeah. I, it's like what an absurd question almost <laughs> you know yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. i would agree with that yeah yeah 100 percent and I think I've always don't know who I'd be without it. I mean, like, yeah, for fuck's sake, I'm like I'm literally a pastor in the Methodist Church. Yeah, like and and large part that's because of my experience in 
a youth group that was a healthy environment, you know, no, no environment's perfect, but for the most part was a very healthy, like pretty progressive Christian church mm -hmm. environment that didn't have all the trappings of kind of where, where some of that stuff can go wrong when it gets a little too literal or a little too conservative, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, and then the same thing with a theater uh, program, uh, like that can be an overly competitive, nasty environment, but our, our program and the, the people who were part of it were really just genuinely artsy, good people, artsy kids who wanted to make good art. And yeah. we talked about, and we were high schoolers. We didn't know what good art was. <laughs> we were just trying to do, trying to try some stuff. You, you know, you like this. I like this. Yeah. Hey, let's good. Yeah. Like, you know, let's, let's, well, all right, let's do Pippin. Let's yeah. try it. You know, like what, <laughs> what's the worst going to happen? You yeah. know? Um, so there's, there is something about that, like, uh, like home life, public life mm -hmm. yeah, dynamic sure. that I, 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 at least I really identify with what and you were just saying. I think that that, um, a lot of the problems rise when that public life isn't there, when those kids are kind of isolated away and they're pushed away. Like I have had a I've, summer was a hard time for me until we got driver's license. Yeah. Yeah, some that that was always the worst for me was when I didn't have any friends. I would all I had two cousins that I would hang out with every once in a while, but when I had nothing to do, like the closest kid that lived to me was a mile down the road, and his parents yeah. didn't like me hanging out at his house, so yeah. it was always like a, a terrible time during summer. I would I would literally just stay at home and like play with Legos and GI Joes, mm -hmm. like far past the age where that's okay. You yeah. Know? Yeah, like, yeah, right. like I was embarrassed about it, yeah. but it was like, this is- This is who I have. This is my life. Yeah. This, is, these are the, uh, this is the only way I can tell stories. Mm -hmm. Like, and, and the idea of having friends outside of my, like I had to go to school or youth group to find friends. Yeah. That was the only place I could find, oh, like good friends. Yeah, of course. There were kids in my neighborhood, but they were also, you get different lives. You get different. Yeah, they, yeah. They they were dealing with their own home bullshit yeah. too, and it was like a toxic kind of See, neighborhood. You know. Um, I think I got lucky um, for the most part uh, that my mom was some. She was a good person. I, I talked to her recently. I didn't talk to her from the time that I was like fifteen um, until literally this year. Like I talked to her probably. Mm. A month or two ago. It's like a new reconciliation. Yeah. Wow. Um, and craziest thing was, I knew that she was in prison, but I didn't know when she would get out. And mm -hmm. she got released the same month, like I t uh, probably like two weeks after she got released. I texted my cousin, who I haven't talked to in forever as, as well, on Facebook and asked for her phone number. And she just got out like earlier that month. I was trying to contact wow. the wow. jail, and she just got out of prison. Yeah. So it was some a, timing. It, yeah, it was a weird timing. Um, but yeah, so uh, I think I got lucky with my mom not really being abusive uh, for the most part of, um, and then being told the right thing but shown the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then you're able to see the kind of outcome from the wrong thing and you understand what the outcome is and the outcome is bad. So that means that the causing factor is bad as well. But my mom, the number one thing that she ever taught me, and I lived it, it's in my core. Like if you were to pull out my center, it would be treat people the way you want to be treated. 100% the golden rule. My mom mm -hmm. taught me that. And she said, this applies to everything, everything, everything. This is, it boils down to this. Women, like respecting women, respecting your elders, 
all of that stuff. Treat people the way you want to be treated. Well, I can hear it in the, in the like including people who are outcasts. And the mm -hmm. fighting for the underdog. Fight, yeah. yeah. So this is why I think you might be a social ape. So in order to understand that, we have to talk about what subtypes are. Subtypes are um, instincts, mm -hmm. essentially. So you have self-preservation, which is your relationship with yourself and mm -hmm. your own health. You have your social network, which is like your friends, your colleagues, um, just your tribe, and then your one-to-one -one connections. You had, on the test, gotten self-preservation, but I'm getting the sense that the one that you actually prioritize the most is your social friends, colleagues. Um, to an extent, yeah, yeah, I would say so. I mean, I always have like a strong sense of self, um, mm -hmm. but yeah, I, uh, I don't tend to really focus it's, on myself too I'll, much. I'll say it's hard to parse, from at least in my own experience, if you've grown up in a kind of a, a pretty traumatic household, were, were, uh, were you, do you have any siblings? No. Yeah. Well, I have I have uh, half siblings, but um, you didn't grow up with them. I, I mean, not it, not in the interactive. Like I fed her with a bottle, my little sister, and then when I moved to Florida, I had a little brother who was three when I got here. So I interacted with him growing up from the ages of nine until eighteen, and then oh, my okay. little sister is now thirteen. So okay, so. Were you guys in the same house? Did you grow up okay, so, as siblings? So in Oregon, I lived with my mom, and she had, at that time, one child, Emily, and then she was pregnant with her second daughter, Caitlin, and she, um, I left to li live with my father. You were her Florida. first? I was her first child, yes. Okay. Her and my father's first child. Um, I moved to Florida with my father when I was nine years old with the intention of only staying there for that summer and then going back for school in Oregon. Um, my dad with another woman had, uh, his wife at the time, had a son, Jordan, um, who I knew about when I lived in Oregon, but I didn't contact with him. Met him when he was three and I was nine. And then uh, my little sister was born in 2009. Um, so you, you had a lot of siblings. Uh, I, so, yeah, I guess. And when I said no, I was meaning like growing up with my mom or having like full blood. Um, well, I think so. I think there's something to the it, what it speaks. To, what it seems to be to me is a disconnect. Like, oh yeah, yeah. I've technically got siblings. Oh, for sure. There's but it's not like I had like a brother growing up. Yeah, um, I was more of their parent or caretaker. I would say my little brother and little, my little sister, especially. Like, my dad wasn't. <laughs> like, my mom is a meth addict and. I've had, I've had two conversations, each with one of each with my parents, one with my mom, one with my dad, very recently, probably like a week apart from each other. And like I told you, my mom just got out of prison. She was a meth addict and all of this stuff. And she kind of my my mom dodged prison that close, that much. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's it's a it can happen. And the, the I would say the thing that kept her out was a support system from my grandmother, her mother. Really. Yeah, her grandmother rescued, my grandmother, her mother rescued her. Yeah, I think my mom probably had similar situations like that earlier in life, but then as time goes on, you yeah. lose those safety nets and yeah. thing hits the fan. But um, when I was, so when I was 15, the last time that I talked to my mom before that, um, or I'm sorry, let me go further. So when my dad got me from Oregon and he brought me to Florida, um, just to give you context of like how I was feeling at that time, I walk in, I lived in Oregon with 11 people living in a two-bedroom, no, a one-bedroom, like, 
trailer kind of thing. Um, we had my grandmother and grandfather living in a twin on sleeping on a twin in a closet. I had a cot, like a military cot. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a, a crib. Me and my my family kind of had the biggest room. We had the crib with my little sister in it. My mom and her boyfriend would sleep on the bed all in the same room. And then on the pull-out couch in the living room, we had my aunt, her boyfriend, her two kids as well. Oh, my gosh. Um, and then... That's a lot for yeah, the pull-out. So that's yeah, that's 8, 9, 10. That's 10 people, or 11 including the baby. Um, so, yeah, so that's, like, what I was living in. My dad gets me, pops into my life out of nowhere, um, ends up taking me to Florida. He has his own business. He's a painter. Um, he had his own business. He was doing pretty well. He built an addition onto the back of his house um, that was me, for me it was bigger than the master it didn't have a bathroom but it was bigger than the master and i had my a queen size bed i had my own dresser i had my own mirror yeah. i had my own radio i walk in so these 180. are yeah. i was gonna say these are things that i if i did not have them i'd be like what the fuck yeah and i walk into this i have a tv maybe not the room. queen but yeah right like yeah all right I'll everything take, else like i'll take it i don't, full. I'll take I don't it have full. a clock radio yeah like what am i supposed to do <laughs> wake up in the morning by myself right. like uh <laughs> come on get it together mom yeah for yeah real. right yeah so i had all these things and i looked at him and i was like this is mine this is all mine and he was like yeah it's yours and i fuck it i played the shit out of that radio i had like, that was my <laughs> shit um and uh so my mom at the end of the summer it was getting close to the end of the summer and the idea was still that i was going home and i wasn't necessarily sad that i was leaving my father's house i was kind of like happy to go see my mom and be back to my normal life at the time but yeah, there's something about familiarity yeah exactly and like I didn't have a connection with my father. I didn't know him before that. So like there wasn't really a bond to right. kind of keep me involved, you know? Like I was just, it was pretty much like a sleepover at that point to me. Like, mm-hmm. hey, what's up guys? Like, so um, my mom ends up talking to me on the phone for a little bit and says, hand the phone to your father. And I hand it to my father and my, it's literally like a five second count from the time that the phone touches his ear to the time that the phone closes. And he tells me, Billy, you're not going home. You're staying here. Your mom wants you to stay here. I bust out crying. I, yeah. I don't understand it. Why? Like, what did yeah. I do? Mm. And But this is where that safety net of talking to myself saved me. My dad is a terrible consult, like, uh, whatever the word is, consoling me. Yeah. So, um, you know, I'm crying, and he's like, you shouldn't be crying. Like, your life is better here, blah, blah, blah. And um, I just ended up going to bed that night. I, just, I imagine he may have taken it personally on some level. I can tell you a perf- perfect example of him definitely taking it personally. Um, but I, I go into my room and I, and I figure it out. Like, I, I, what it really was was Which me is, being able Which is, by the way, I just want to say, by the way, not to blame that young kid for feeling devastated oh, yeah, no, at that of news. Course. And you, know, you like, should feel that. Like, I, I, I imagine he would have taken some of that personally on some level, mm-hmm. but also, like... You're the bigger man. You should be come able to... Come on. Like, yeah. this kid's going to yeah. be devastated by this news. Of course. Like, any any normal human child would be devastated by this news. Yeah. yeah. So, um, what it was was me listening to my radio at that time. Like, I was literally... Like, I went into my room. I put on my Linkin Park and Jay-Z album. Yeah. It was a collab <laughs> album. And, like, I'm listening to fucking... Uh, like... I don't know. I was listening to some weird music, sad but not so sad music. Hard. Yeah, Gosh, so there you hard. go, exactly. So I'm listening. <laughs> never really matter. 
Yeah. I'm so happy it wasn't like the actual Lincoln Park because that would have definitely made me depressed. But <laughs> Jay Z really picked me up. But I, uh, uh, I remember I looked at it and I just was like, I never had this, man. Like I never went to bed comfortably. I never lived in a house that was alone hours as a family. Like, and I knew that I was lucky to have that stuff. I knew that it was right to miss my mom and I loved my mom and all of this stuff. But I, I was pretty much figuring out like this is a better life for you you should definitely be here like you mm -hmm. weren't doing anything in Oregon and you're probably not going to end up doing anything so um I was able to do that but even to go to go back to my original point I have had a conversation with that woman that to me abandoned me because after that she didn't really talk to me she probably called me like once every three months and yeah. on my 15th birthday she called me and I said if you don't call me once every two weeks I will not answer when you do call because mm. I can't do this like I can't yeah. keep waiting and trying to figure shit out like at one point she called me and she was like oh I was homeless and I'm like what like I, I can't deal with that so um, yeah, and then, yeah it's too much for an adolescent yeah, yeah. so the, too much. the communication dropped off after I told her that she called me probably one more time after and then not, didn't talk to me found out she yeah. was in prison all that so to to look at the, that and say like, okay, look at everything that she kind of did to me as like me feeling like it's being done to me. Like she's leaving me. Oh, now she's moving on with her life and now I'm left behind and that kind of stuff. I've talked to her. I've talked to my father who is the person that brought me out of Oregon that gave me a good life that did all of this stuff. And I have more respect for my mother than I do for my father entirely. And it's crazy because it's like a weird, I'm not trying to get like, down on it but it's a no, weird no, no. concept to understand. now we love this stuff it's a weird concept to have of like someone that goes to prison is supposed to be somebody it depicted in in like in uh you know civilization is like this person is they made mistakes and they are no longer at this level my father is a terrible terrible man like and he's <laughs> made it through life getting things done like he has made a name for himself he is a, a painter and all of this stuff but they're like the amount what he exposed me to was that one things that aren't always what they seem are things are mostly what they seem not what you're told and mm. i was grown up being told what i saw mm -hmm. instead of seeing what i saw and, of, and trusting what you're seeing yeah. exactly whenever it had to do with him it was this weird little manipulation that i didn't hop out i didn't get out of it until i turned 22 i believe so that like exp like to I don't know where I was going with this, but the weird thought that always pops into my head is I look at these two people and you can look at their stories, you can look at their life and you can say like, I know you and I know you. Mm -hmm. You can look at my dad, oh, you're a hardworking man that provides for his family and does anything. You're a true American. You can look at my mom and say, you're a meth addict who abandoned her kid and all of this stuff. But the exact thing that you're thinking for those people is actually switched. This person has the ability to overlook their decisions that ruin their life and they're able to come out on top of it and pretty much apologize and say, listen, I know what I've done is wrong and I'm trying mm -hmm. to make amends for it and I'm doing all of this thing. And then you have the other person on the other side who will completely disregard any mistakes that they've made to the highest degree, mm. will lie to your face and tell you what you saw is not what you saw and that you're lying and, and try to manipulate your psyche a little bit. And that person's successful. Mm -hmm. you know, That person you interact with every day. The other person is marked as a felon and you can see where they live. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? It's a weird concept that is applied directly to my family. No, I weird. think you're. I think you're telling, in a large part, you're telling kind of an an American story. Like, the, the, there's something going on. This very much lines up with 
Uh, now, don't get me wrong. Even though I'm a liberal Democrat, I'm pretty fucking patriotic. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I'm pretty aggressively patriotic. Like I think I think the United States is incredible, and the system we've set up is amazing, mm-hmm. and like all that. And also, I'm a liberal. Yeah. And so everything you just said is like, yep. How many how many people's stories did you just tell right there? Yeah, I see. And yeah, just how many how many American people's stories? How many people who have been selfish and self-absorbed and been utterly willing to screw over anybody who comes in their proximity, mm-hmm. and have been rewarded and reprewarded for it? Yeah, and vice versa. People who have. Uh, certainly made mistakes like certainly chosen wrongly and poorly um but but all ultimately if you like when you can corner them they're like their heart and their motivation and Mm -hmm. their like core is for others and they're and they're often overlooked cast out not like and there, there is something... Now, don't get me wrong. That's not the exclusive only story. No. Yeah. You know, like right. that's, not, that's not the only thing. Um, but that is at least representative of a significant slice of the pie. Yeah. And I feel like it's a slice of the pie that is um, not paid attention to. Like you're saying, it's not the only story. But I, it is. I say increasingly it is. Yeah. I hear a very like strong fight for the underdog... It's, you know, it's coming like it's justice it's, oriented. Like I can see that passion not only in you in everyday life, but yeah. in in the way you're sharing this. Story. It seems yeah. to be the mark of our generation. Like the millennial generation seems to be very, very concerned with um, equity, like ju- like justice. Yeah, and I don't mean social ju- like not like social justice warrior because there's certainly that, and I hate that shit, mm-hmm. and like I'm not interested in it. What I'm interested in is actual equity. Yeah. Like actual ability for people to be who they genuinely, and this is my type four coming out, even Mm -hmm. I I hear it as I'm saying it right now. People's ability to be exactly who they really are. Yeah. Um, And so long as that is not harming other people, then let it be. Yeah. Then, Then that should be permitted. It should be accepted. It should be allowed. And it's only when it crosses the line into... Uh, like harming other people or or limiting other people in some way, that's what that's when we need to kind of like have a conversation and step in with boundaries. Yeah. But until that point, and so and it comes down to like racial issues, uh, um, like foreign uh, like immigration issues. It comes down to. Uh, almost any political issue you can think of like mm-hmm. it, it comes down to this m- more human level on like which side you, now and I don't mean to be so demonizing about like I think there are also very good arguments on the right as well mm-hmm. I think there are very good conservative arguments in, in those areas that kind of contradict some of that stuff too like I'm not trying to cast that out but there is something about the like us losing the narrative of the reasonable sides of those arguments mm-hmm. and like it, like retreating into the extremes. Oh yeah. That that has really done a number like surrounding yourself with protection. Yeah, You're well pre- like what you just articulated was such a nuanced thing. Like yeah, here okay, here we like fucking meth addict 
and convicted criminal. Mm -hmm. Like, like the dregs of society. Yeah, exactly. Like, well, what? Well, what does her son think of her? Yeah. Like, yeah. Jesus, man. Yeah. How about let's? Can we include some humanity in here? Can we have some grace? Can yeah. we have some like, uh, like, possibility for redemption and like people's ability to reach rock bottom and change their lives? That is one of the hardest attributes to apply to someone that doesn't naturally have it, which is. Um, allowing uh, a road to recovery, like giving mm. someone a road to recovery. That's something that... Cause it's, also, it's also a really hard thing because it's recovery by its nature is in, entirely dependent almost. Not entirely. In a large part, dependent on the individual wanting oh yeah 100 percent. yeah right. you know like they definitely people in recovery need support yeah and we should facilitate that as best we but can support only gets you so far but it yeah the support's worthless until yeah. the person decides this far no further yeah you yeah. know and the rock bottom moment so to speak i agree um but there is something about our reluctance to believe that that moment can occur yeah despite the overwhelming evidence that it occurs all the time like i and i know for personal experience i mean i went to high school with you know people that have went down the wrong road and got on pills and got arrested and all of this stuff and you know it's just like i i don't know if this applies to the the personality or the um it doesn't matter at this point hearing yeah. your story is more important like i'd rather <laughs> yeah. talk about this you know well that that so i'm just saying like the that kind of number I don't know, the number eight, like, I, uh, one of my best friends in high school, like, me and him went everywhere together, like, I would, he wasn't a wrestler or anything, but, like, I would get, when I wasn't wrestling, I would get out of school, me and him had the same period that we got off, he would come home with me, we'd hang out with my great-grandmother, she'd make us some sandwiches, we'd get up, we'd go to our buddy's house, we got off a period later, we'd hang out every single day, like, we would do stupid stuff together. Like, it was just, it was never stupid stuff in, like, drugs or anything. It was stupid stuff in actions. Like, hey, let's go mm -hmm. teepee this house or some right. stupid yeah. stuff, yeah. you know? And uh, then I remember the first night that he ever told me he took Soaping pills. fountains was our go-to. Soaping fountains. Someone did that to the Spring Hill soap, <laughs> the fountain in the front that filled full of soap. That was pretty We thought funny. it was so funny because it was an utterly harmless... Like, it pissed people yeah. off, but it was completely harmless. Yeah, like, it wouldn't do anything. These suds are everywhere! <laughs> Who cares? I Come hate on. these Come bubbles! Yeah. Uh, but, so, this kid, I remember the first time that he tried pills. We went to a party, and he told me when we got there, like, oh, yeah, I did this. And I was like, I don't like that, man. Like, that's not cool. So we go to this party. It's in the middle of the woods. It's in the, in the middle of nowhere. Like, yeah. we drove down the power lines <laughs> to get to it. It was crazy. Right. But, I just remember him like yelling. It's in some national forest somewhere. Legit, dude. Like legit. I would have to go by the power lines, uh, like yeah. bumpy dirt roads yep. in my Jeep, I'm, and like I've driven down the. I've Ocala. I I lived up in uh, Apopka. And okay. I worked in Eustis, and I yeah. used to go to the national forest all the time. Yeah. So they had like this big party out in the middle of the woods, and he. I just remember like not knowing where he was, walking back up to where the car was parked, and he's there yelling at people for no reason, just like mm -hmm. yelling at them and. You just get agitated, and apparently that's a side effect of doing pills or painkillers or whatever. So Was it o opioids, I guess? Something like that. Yeah. It was like a Percocet or something. Yeah. It wasn't Xanax, I know that. But um, I just remember that happening, me grabbing and putting him in my car and being like, what the fuck are you doing, bro? Like, I, like, And then I stopped hanging out with him. Stopped hanging out with him. Mm -hmm. um, I did meet back up with him 
later in life and uh you know like at the time i kind of ignored that aspect of him i wasn't assuming that he was doing any hardcore drugs he was he had a job and all of this stuff so i was like i interact with you on this limited basis and i like this interaction again one of my best friends so uh then he ends up getting arrested getting put in jail for a, a decent amount of time for like over a year uh or maybe it wasn't maybe it was like it had to be a year it had to be over but anyway um i never gave up on the guy I love him today the same way that I did then. And he got out of jail. He got his stuff cleaned up. He didn't, he, he hasn't done, made the same mistakes. He got rid of the girlfriend who was very toxic and bad for him. And he made life-changing decisions. And now he's back up on top. He, he, I mean, he is a convicted felon, which is something that weighs on him and has yeah. given him a new reason to fight for things. Like he wants to be able to vote. He wants this kind of stuff because he understands the hindrance that it causes upon him. Mm -hmm. So, uh, but like he's back to the normal dude that I knew back in high school that I was best friends with. And imagine if I cut those ties. Imagine if I just allowed his decisions to make my decision for me and be like, oh, well, there he goes. You well, know what I mean? There's something going on, I think, for most people who either don't have serious proximity to that or whatever. There, there's something going on that's like, we would like to believe that that's a specific type of person. Yeah. Like that, and then that, and because that means if there's a type that does that, mm -hmm. then I am exempt right, from that. Right, then I won't fall into that. Yeah, there's mm -hmm. no possibility. I mean, I, I could never do that. I have a job. And that's I literally how you fall into addiction. Have, right. That's how you fall into that subtle, it is the thing. slow build of alcoholism. By it, not realizing that you are susceptible to it. And you know what that is? A hundred percent, and this is another thing that's in my core, truth truth to yourself to everyone around yeah, you yeah sounds like four to me huh? <laughs> <laughs> that's that that is my most significant internal drive sincerity mm -hmm. and truth and yeah. the craziest thing is as a child i was a liar when i was with my father when i lived with my father i was a liar now i would attribute that to the consequences of getting in trouble but i was a a liar i so Here's the thing that makes me think that that's evidence for four. Okay. Every, every kid is a liar. Like, every kid is a liar. I, every kid is a liar. I don't know if it's to the same extent as me. Ooh, it is. It is. It's the idea, it's the fact that you are, to this day, noting that you were a liar. It's mm -hmm. the idea that you remember yourself lying as a kid. Mm -hmm. It's like, that, because I have, again, I really identify with that. I remember as a high schooler deciding, like, like aggressively deciding, like, I'm just not, I'm not going to lie anymore. Yeah. I'm not going to lie anymore. Like, and that being a thing for me. Yeah. Nobody else fucking cared. Like, everyone yeah. in high school, in middle school, like, every hey, kid lies all like, the time. They just lie. Like, I definitely did. Yeah, you like, every young person, I was a youth director, so that's part of what's informing, is, like, yeah. every kid is lying all the time, always. And it's like, yeah. no, no, I wasn't there, it wasn't me. Mm -hmm. Nope, that was somebody else. That, no, I don't do that. I, no, I don't even like those things. Yeah. No, I, no, I have... I have two pairs of sneakers at home right now that I could go get. Uh, no, oh no, my dad has a Ferrari. Yeah, uh, like they're just always lying, just always lying. Mm -hmm. And it, and I understand why. It's a coping mechanism. It's yeah. because it's a nightmare to be an adolescent person and like try to navigate the just the horrors of like 
all of a sudden you want to have sex and you have absolutely nothing to bring to the table yeah. to attract anyone to have sex with you. <laughs> like that alone you is a nightmare, right? Yeah. It's, it's like, oh God, it's like, yeah, you know, I'm trying to compete, like, especially as a freshman in high school, I'm trying to compete with these fucking bearded wrestlers. Yeah. <laughs> like, what? like I can't even, I don't even, I'm not even sure I'm tying my shoes right. right. Like, yeah, so. You know what's really interesting too? I never had that kind of drive until my senior year, really. And senior year was yeah, just... Yeah, testosterone's a hell of a thing. But I know, not even... I, <laughs> dude, I've had... I was shaving in seventh grade. I was, like... Yeah. I've, I've always, always been pretty big. And I've always been attracted to women, for sure. I've always, like... I've always seen it. Yeah, I was the first kid... I remember in elementary school asking a girl out. Yeah, I was yeah. in, like, third grade. Yep, I, me too. Me yeah. too. First girl I ever dated was in third grade. Yeah. Um, I just remember like, you know, I would, I, in middle school, I had a phase cause I was fat before and then sixth grade, I, I grew up a little bit. And yeah. so I like make out with some chicks every once in a while, but it was never like, um, it wasn't, it stopped being after sixth grade, it stopped being my focus and my focus ended up going to my friends, my sports and my school, not mm -hmm. really my school, like, you know, school, social like life. social life. Yeah. yeah. But I never really had that drive. And then, um, uh, I don't know, this is an interesting part of my psychology, but I, my, my girlfriend that I have now, uh, we've been together for going on six years now. And uh, we actually had a little stint before we actually officially started dating the day after we graduated high school, uh, junior year a little bit. And um, there was another guy that she like, moved away to a different state and they really didn't end on, they didn't end terms or whatever. Mm -hmm. So then she ends up you know, saying like, hey, I don't know where I'm at right now. Like, I don't think now's a good time, blah, blah, blah. And that like devastated me because I, I really liked her. And again, I never had that drive to be with anybody before. And this person I did, like I wanted to hang out with her, wanted to talk to her. I had this like just um, astonishment for her personality and for yeah. who she was. I just found her and I was like, there's I know, nobody. I, I think I know exactly what you're talking there's about. There's nobody there. There's nobody yeah. else, right? Here, Here's the difference, I think, for between your story and what I imagine are a lot of people's stories. And it's certainly my story. I had those types of attractions, mm -hmm. but I did not, I, I wasn't able to attract the people that I was attracted to. Yeah. Like I couldn't attract the, specifically the women that I was attracted to. I think there was a certain aspect of that to me too because I was going after certain kinds of women that I really wasn't supposed to be. Well, and I, 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 I had a thing because of my abusive upbringing that something in my psyche, not a choice, but a subconscious thing, would I was only allowing myself to be attracted to women who were unattainable mm. because it was like there, there was something in in my trauma there was something that needed to be unpacked and 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 later in life later in adulthood i i like had you know saw a therapist and went through a long process and had a come to jesus moment mm -hmm. where i i literally was able to kind of like receive healing over those types of things mm -hmm. but for from my adolescence all the way through like I mean we're talking like to the to my late 20s like like maybe all of my 20s maybe up until like age 30 or so I can't remember the exact age that I was but for all of that time I would only allow myself to be really significantly attracted to women who would never 
be attracted that to you kind of knew that already and the minute that i if i was like she's cute and then if she showed interest Done. immediately the attraction would evaporate for me huh. and i would be like oh like oh she's i mean i know she's cute but i don't she's not that cool and i don't yeah. like her and see i had the opposite um i would be attracted to somebody and um again i'm very social i was able to get along with anybody um, so then when I would find an attraction with someone that I got along with and then the attraction wasn't shared, I would get confused and I'd be like, I don't understand. I don't, I, I don't, I don't get it. Like, I'm awesome. You're awesome. What's along. not going on? And then, so I would just like that question would literally stay in my mind for a while. So I, my default answer was just, it's just, she's not into you. Like she doesn't, she doesn't find you attractive. Yeah. So then you move on. So I think there's something different going on with you, like... But I I, th I think you had a, a little more going for you. Yeah, I think so. Uh, you at were, a certain I mean, point. you're a wrestler. Yeah, you're, uh, you know, you're athletic. You, I imagine, you were pretty popular. I had a lot it, of other things to prop me up to yeah. allow that to tear me down. Like it, it didn't get down It took down me so far. a long time to, despite doing very well in my own circles. Yeah, it took me a really long time to get to the place where I genuinely liked what I liked. Mm -hmm. And allow and liked who I was and allowed myself to really be myself. And I think there's something about, particularly athletics, like mm -hmm. finding success in athletics at a young age mm -hmm. um, can can do a lot for like confidence and self-esteem. I think that um, with that, it did do that. It did give me a lot of confidence. For, for at least young men. I don't, yeah. I don't know. I can't really speak to women. I've, I've only been through my experience, you know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was a chronic dater in high school. Really? Back to back to, yeah. Oh, really? yeah. And they were all like six month or longer relationships. Yeah. Like wow. back to back that to back. That sounds tiring. And none of them went to the same school as me. It was a time. Oh. It was a time. <laughs> it was a time. I think that with um, sports and everything, it did give me that like confidence and everything. But um, it also gave me a wrong idea of the pool that I should be in. Like yeah. I, because I was, my dad's a super alpha male. He's, yeah. And I'm not, I'm, I am like, I, yeah, I, I, I know I can, I, 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 I but think I, I don't know exactly what you're saying. I don't want to tell people, I don't want to show you, I don't need to show you. I don't need that. Kind well, of that, that's what a real alpha is. So like, it, like if you're looking at alpha, like pri let's just go to gorillas and primates, like mm -hmm. the closest thing to us, the actual role of the alpha if you look at gorilla tribes, like the alpha male goes around and checks on everyone mm -hmm. and like, and keeps, maintains, like certainly it can get aggressive and be like, hey motherfucker, don't, yeah, like do not disrupt the tribe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they can pull that out, but most of the time it's like, hey, are you okay? Mm -hmm. Like I saw that they were, I saw that was, that was rough, are you yeah. okay? <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, like most of the time that's what the alpha's doing. And like, so we have this false idea of what an alpha is. Yeah. And like, so I, I hear what you're saying, but like I, you, you actually kind of put off an alpha, what I like mm -hmm. as an alpha vibe. Yeah. Which is very much like, you're safe with me. You don't need to worry about me losing my shit. And also if anyone else loses their shit, I got it. I'm here. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm here. Yeah. I can handle it. Uh, like, we, we got this. Don't worry. <laughs> Follow me. We got this. You know, like. Yeah. And um, I think that because of who I, I was being raised by that false alpha, um, you have to have 
oh, you gotta date the hot chick, you gotta have the, the, the prom queen, you gotta do this and this. And I was always like looking at the popular girls, looking at um, the, I, the I girls that were- I was looking at girls that would elevate my own status. Yeah, well, I was never thinking about that. I was usually just thinking about like, oh, these are who these guys are talking to. So I guess I should try and talk to them right. too because I'm like them, right? Once I took myself out of that situation, I met Sydney through a common friend and she is the exact opposite of me to where she is entirely involved in academia rather than being involved in sports. I would, I would cheat on tests. I would get, I got my way through high school. It's not because I was dumb. It was because I was smart. Like I knew everything that I was doing Your in general classes. Path of classes. least resistance. Exactly. Right. <laughs> it was just like I, I know I can learn more. Hey, I can but, just copy this homework. Why exactly. would I do this homework when I can just I, copy it? And especially if I already know it. Like I'm getting great grades on your test. I'm gonna just copy this shit. Oh, my, that dude, that was my like, my like theme song throughout yeah. high school was like. If I can pass the test, why are you? What do you care? Yeah. If you, I you can should, pass the test, who cares? You should have a temporary zero until you take that test. If you get a hundred on that test, and you should be really strict on finding cheaters, but if you can get a hundred on that test, then these zeros go to hundreds because the homework yeah. was done. You like, did it already. I don't need the homework. I, I, I'm listening. Challenger. That's yeah. the challenger. Yeah. See, I yeah, think he has an Yeah, but that's also me, but, though. Okay. Mm -hmm. Like, literally, when I went through my undergrad, mm -hmm. uh, my master's degree was a different level. I had to, I, but in my undergrad, I, I, I stopped buying books. Yeah. Because it was a waste of money. Like, I would literally just go to class, listen to the professor, take notes, and then take the test or write the paper or whatever, and then, like, aced, like all yeah. A's and B's, like easy. Just co and I and I saved thousands of dollars because I didn't buy textbooks. Mm -hmm. And I like, think that's a, a definite challenger type. No, I'm still. I, was like, like, I think I, that might come from your counter type. I'm still on the eight wing two train. Right. I want to read this. We're coming up on about our ninety minute mark, so yeah. I want to read this oh, and yeah, kind of like wrap, wrap up. up. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, but. Yeah. I think this fits pretty well, and obviously you know you better than I do, so <laughs> yeah, you can maybe. tell me. Um, so social aids are also a counter type, which means you can take on the motivation of a type eight, so being the challenger, protecting yourself, anti-betrayal, but the personality of another number. Okay. And the other number that social aids take personality of is a type two, um, the helper, very loving, very like loyal. Mm -hmm. So I'm gonna read this, it's from Nine Types Co., my favorite Instagram account. <clears throat> Social aides are intensely loyal and work to build connections with others. They surround themselves with people who accept them as they are, and they aim to support, help, and nurture those people. They equally enjoy social events and heated debates, and they use their power, energy, and outgoing nature to challenge the norm and fight for injustice. Social aides prioritize people who are trustworthy and reliable, and they are always fully themselves, allowing others to take them or leave them to avoid betrayal later on. Yeah, I find that pretty accurate. I mean, yeah. There was something in there, uh, it was like the third from last thing that you said. Let me find it again. Sorry. Uh, third from last third thing I said. How yeah, specific I, that I, um, is. <laughs> prioritize people who are trustworthy and reliable, always fully themselves, the uh, take or one, leave them. One before the... Um, they use their power, energy, outgoing nature to challenge norm, fight injustice. So that and then the I enjoy social events and heated debates. I something that i have come to find that i love is i love conversations with someone that strongly disagrees with me about the same thing 
absolutely love that aspect. Maybe you're an eight, Chris. I'm definitely not. Maybe yeah. you're a social eight. That's why he was able to pick up on eights. Now you know he's I mean? definitely a four, but. I'm definitely a four. Yeah. I'm just. Uh, but I do, but I feel very similarly. Yeah. About but Jeff Kofer, who is also going to be on this podcast, is also a social eight counter type too. And Ben. And, and Jeff Kofer is one of my best And Ben. Friends. So I think something and about. Ben, ben and I get along. So like, I think something about the social eight. Maybe it's That's the counter type too. I think you can, you get along with really well. Maybe because they have that energy of I want to debate and like mm -hmm. challenge. And I'm well, into they, having those challenging conversations. But people, I also love yeah, and care and see you for who yeah, you are in Yeah, all the people you're talking about challenge um, without severing. Uh, like they they never make it. It's never about like, and that's why you're a dick. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> like, I, like, I try geez, my best guy. to do exactly what you're talking about of like, um, so just to wrap this up and open up a can of worms real quick. No, uh, <laughs> uh, love to have you on again again. Yeah, oh, I would part absolutely two. love to. I would absolutely love to. Um, but one of my good roommates, or our good roommates, one of our good friends who used to be a roommate, um, this guy Logan was, he grew up kind of in a Christian home and religious and everything. I grew up in a Christian home as well. Like when I was in Oregon, my mom would send me to Sunday school. And when I was in Florida, I would end up going with my dad's wife's mom to church. And um, it was a, uh, what's, do you, do you know which one it was? I, I think I've talked to you about it. They do, they speak in tongues. You, Pentecostal. Oh, Pentecostal. Pentecostal, yeah. So I went to that church. Um, the one before that was more of like a kind of bare bones type thing where they were just teaching the stories of the Bible. It was like a uh, little kids group and everything. Probably Baptist or Methodist. Something or, of that yeah. nature. I'm some, probably Some Baptist. generic Protestant. Yeah. So yeah. Um, at that one, they would teach me things and there would be things that I would learn that I would um, say that doesn't make sense, but I don't know what I'm talking about. They're telling me, so I know. So they know. And then when I got to the Pentecostal stuff, then I really realized no, I know that I don't like this at all. Yeah. In any way, yeah. shape, or form, I don't want to be it here. It feels like you're making stuff up. Yeah, and yeah. Um, that was actually where I first, my first, like, super feeling of being the challenger and needing to do this um, came out. I was in a Bible study type deal, and um, the guy asked, he was going around the room, and he was asking, why are you here? And he asked me, he's like, why are you here? And I said, I'm just here because my great, or my grandmother wants me to be. And he was like, you're not here for any reason for yourself. And I said, no, I don't really want to be here. And he was like, why? I would prefer not to be here. Yeah. He was like, why don't you want to be here? And I was like, I, I don't know, man. He's like, do you believe in God? And I oh, was like, my. I was like, I, no, not really. How was, old are you? I was probably 14, about 14, 15. So he asked me that and I go, I don't really, uh, I don't think so, no. And you're was, not saying the answers I want to hear. Yeah, yeah. So then he asked me, he goes, he goes, um, he goes, what would help you believe? And I said, proof. proof. Like, so yeah, some kind of evidence maybe? Proof to me. And he, <laughs> he picked up the Bible and he smacked it. And he goes, this is proof right here for you, son. And I said, that was written by a man. And then he was like, get out of here. You can't I'm be here anymore. Oh. I'm like, I'm literally like. I got kicked out and I got sent to the adult church. And I, had I to wonder why the, the church is dying. Huh. Their church, their church though is booming. And that's another thing that I absolutely hated. I would go Give it time. and I would sit there and I'm telling you, they're not going to fail because Give it the, time. these people, well, I mean, maybe if the rapture comes then they'll be struck down, <laughs> but they're sitting there and uh, the offering plate goes around four or five times. People are putting in hundred dollar bills. It's and coming. Gigantic. They're driving Lexuses, and I'm just like, now, this is that that. That's not what being a Christian is. The church, as we understand it in America, in that context, is absolutely dying. 
It really is dying. I hate Either, that one of two things is going to happen. Either we're going to become an a-religious society where there just isn't really a yeah. faith anymore, or things like what we're trying to do, <laughs> where we actually try to recontextualize the idea of a faith community mm-hmm something or multiple things like that are going to catch and there's going to be a new idea of what it means to have a relationship with creation. Yeah. That I like a lot. Relationship with creation. I mean, that's what faith is for. Creation and existence, pretty yeah. much in my mind. I uh, I, I hate church. I hate church. They're, my great-grandmother has a really good church that I like going to, and it's just because they have the best songs. And they don't make, right? you, they don't make you sing for too long. You can stand, you can sit, you can do whatever you want. Yeah. They're nice people. Um, but I uh, just the last thing I will talk about for sure. Um, I, uh, I mean, you opened the can of worms. So. I know, I did, I did, I did. I did. Um, no, I... Uh, where was I going? Oh, so I never was really... I don't think I was religious. I think I was following in footsteps that were placed in front of me. And then um, when I started to think yeah, about it, I did, and I did like, try. Like all of us. Yeah, but I did try. There was a point where I realized yeah. I was coasting, and then I went to this like Bible weekend where I went out and like went to like this camp, and they did services. Mm-hmm. But again, ah, it, was st- it was still the pe- good old youth group camp. It's the yeah. retreat. Yeah. yeah, the retreat. Yeah, yeah. we're was, very familiar with those as we both did youth groups. Yeah, yeah. It, it was fun too. I loved it. Yeah, and that's great. the that great was, time. That was the uh, introduction, or that was the that was the sugar coating around the pill that you have to take. You know what I mean? It was like, oh, you yeah. had so much fun. But then there's the Pentecostal things that are going on. But um, and I tried. I was like, you know what, man? Like, I'm doing it already. Let me just and lean into it. Let, See what I, happens. I believe. Let's yeah. do it. I fucking believe in you, man. Yeah. And I will pray to you every night. And I did for a little while. I started reading the Bible and all that stuff, and then it just slowly faded. Um, but it was more... Yeah, it turns out that's not the, really the best way to go about things. Yeah, it's not to force yourself into it. Yeah. But I did do... So I never was religious. I didn't really have an understanding of what you were seeking. Like, I never... like. Yeah. I don't have a need for understanding my existence. Like, we, American Christianity does a, a notoriously terrible job at articulating what exactly it is mm-hmm. that the gospel is for yeah yeah like somehow we, it turns into profit and gain and well somehow. the best things we got are uh or at least the the most you know numerically successful things we got are either when you die you go to heaven mm-hmm. we we sell the lie that this is about end of life stuff yeah and it is a lie um or we sell the lie that if you do what we say, God will make you what fill in the blank. Wealthy, yeah. happy, find love. Yeah. The Joel not alone. Type shit. Yeah, right. The yeah. prosperity gospel. Yeah. Bullshit. Yeah. Prosperity yeah. gospel. And and those are the two kind of main are and because in my experience, most of Christian leaders are not actively involved in what I think the gospel is really about. Yeah. Which is it's it's the it's the story that humanity has been telling for tens of thousands of years. Well, at least for a over, long time, over ten thousand years. Yeah, a long, long time. The story of death and resurrection. Mm-hmm. The idea that who you are is not all you are, and but that in order to become more than who you are, 
it's a counterintuitive process. It's not about building yourself up, but instead it's about dying to the things that you are trapped by. Mm. And they are coping mechanisms. They are shame and past sin. They are addictions. They mm. are, it's the rock, it's the recovery story. This is the story of Christ. That when Jesus had the opportunity to confront Rome as a political power with a, literally an army of Jews behind him, mm -hmm. the Israelite people behind him willing to fight to the death for him, he instead chose to go to the cross to die, mm -hmm. to be humiliated, to be naked and before his mother. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, and in that demonstrated the the possibility that what can happen when we surrender to these things. Yeah. Like that's the Christ story. And it's and it's not just the Christ story. It's the story we've been telling for, for literally like over ten thousand years we've been telling this this story over and over again. Um, like you can be more than who you are right now, but it's not the way you think it is. Something that's very interesting right now that's popping into my head. Um New religions that have become a thing. Mormonism is one of the, the newer ones, but uh, or, uh, Scientology, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Scientology has somehow become very successful and very efficient, or very effective, I should say, in creating very efficient, very uh, productive people. Um, but uh, sorry, that the reason being is because in the beginning stages, they mostly focus on areas of psychology, areas yeah. of breaking down those coping they hold, mechanisms. They hold their secrets and the back. Whole, and the whole reason yeah. why they do that is because L. Ron Hubbard did this entire thing to help himself cope with going fucking crazy. This mm -hmm. man was going through like uh, assisted, you know, mental, whatever he was going crazy he thought he was like this crazy sailor dude and whatever and he was having to deal with that and go through it with a psychologist so he applies some of that into his religion in the beginning and then yeah the lies and all this, the crazy yeah. shit happens at the end but the reason why they because he's so also effective. a science fiction writer yeah <laughs> so, but, so there, but it, well the, we got to come up with a reason for all this <laughs> the interesting part is what you're speaking of is similar to what they institute early is the ability to to um, us, like identify those things. What is going on mentally? How do you become happy? How do you become content? Right. How do you become at peace? Then they take it into their way. But what you're speaking of, like, I think that there is something to that of being able to, like, your religion has to be based on not well, your the, God, but your inner peace. You have to have inner peace in order. It's like the the biggest difference I would say between. The, the the kind of the the markers for telling the difference between kind of culty kind of stuff mm -hmm. and like actual good gospel messaging is it comes down to whether or not the institution wants to own the methods mm -hmm. and you can see that in the catholic church and you can see it in mormonism you can see it in like and and you can see it quite frankly in certain united methodist congregations mm -hmm. as well which i will not name specifically because i want to respect my colleagues but like when an institution starts to own the methods by which you can find salvation mm -hmm. fucking don't just leave the room 
back out of the room. I have your ticket to heaven. Because, yeah, because they right. will rob That's you not... on your way out. Mm -hmm. yeah. Like, do not trust them. And the funny thing is, I, I was in an Uber going downtown, talking to the Uber driver. He ends up being a Scientologist, right? And I, I'm talking to him about it, and I was like, you ever try psychology? And he goes, oh, that's a hunk of shit. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my God. It was hilarious. Okay, but, so Courtney's made uh, much hay about this, uh, how we should end this particular of episode. Of course, of course. Yes, I, I want Billy to do it. I don't, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm at... I'm at your beck and call. Listen, I don't even know. Listen, if you're at home listening right now, you got to do spirit fingers. You have to do spirit fingers. And the reason why we do spirit fingers is because it makes you feel weird, right? Be a little weird. Be yourself. Make sure you have a good time in this life because you only get one. All right? You got to break it down on three. Keep it weird. One, two, three. Keep, Keep it, it weird. weird. Good night, everybody. Awesome. Good night. Love it.